Hello, this is Brad Whitford of Aerosmith and the Whitford St. Holmes Band, and this is Iron City Rocks. Hi, y'all. I'm Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks, and it does. Hey, this is Charlie Starr from Blackberry Smoke, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 351 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 351, we are all about Farm Aid 2017. Farm Aid is going to be coming to the Key Bank Pavilion in Burgerstown, Pennsylvania on Saturday, September 16th. Fantastic bill which features Willie Nelson, Neil Young, Dave Matthews, the Blackberry Smoke, uh, and many, many other bands. So joining us on this episode, we have Charlie Starr of Blackberry Smoke, who will be joining us, and also Lucas Nelson of Lucas Nelson and the Promise of the Real, who also on the bill that day. So without further ado, we're going to get into one of my favorite bands of the modern era, of kind of blend of country, blend of rock, and blend of southern rock of Atlanta, Georgia, Blackberry Smoke. So let's play a little Blackberry Smoke, and we'll get into that interview with Charlie Starr. My pleasure to welcome to the show from the band Blackberry Smoke. We have Charlie Starr on the line. How are you doing, Charlie? Oh, doing pretty well. How about you? Doing fantastic. Hey, um, very excited to get a chance to talk to you. Been um, one of my own personal favorite bands for for a while now. Um, you're going to be coming in to do Farm Aid here this weekend here in Pittsburgh. Um, can you talk a little bit about how the band got involved with the Farm Aid project as a whole? I really don't know, to be honest with you. Um, I saw that it was uh, uh, it was offered at some point, and needless to say, I was very excited. Um, so, uh, I'm sorry I don't know the answer to how um, or why, but uh, we're 
we couldn't be more proud That's to be involved with the with the show. Well, let me let me ask you this because this is one thing that's always been kind of on my mind as I look from the very first time I heard the band. Um, your last two albums have gone on number one on the U.S. country charts and as well as number one on the U.K. rock charts. If you were to own a record store, Charlie, where would you put your albums? Would they be in the country section? Would you be in the rock section? Uh, what, what, I would what you put them in the rock with? section. Yeah, I've always thought that we're a rock and roll band. Um, and far be it from me to understand or, or be able to comprehend uh, what genre even means anymore. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess it could be confusing for some people who are younger to just say if they put on some girls the Rolling Stones record mm-hmm. and heard Far Away Eyes, they might think, oh, well, this is a country band. Um, so we come from the school of thought um, that in the band we're free to do whatever it is that uh, we're inspired to do at any given moment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so far we haven't made a hip-hop record, and mm-hmm. I don't guess we plan to, but... Um, you know, it's all—it's uh, just a hodgepodge, you know. Um, yeah. ne- never freedom, say never freedom. say never on that, though. You never know. Yeah, you know what? I, yeah, I, I probably should watch what I say. Um, but Kiss I, never planned you know, probably I mean, on doing a disco song, but it happened. Yeah, what's the movie uh, where one of the lines is "Kiss would never sell out and record a disco song"? <laughs> I'm not sure if that was in Detroit Rock City or if it uh, what exactly that was, but you're, you're exactly right. Um, yeah. When when you were growing up as a musician, what what were the guys who you looked up to? Let me ask you even probably more of it than that. Did you aspire to be a singer or a guitar player first? What was really you know as a kid was your driving force? Well, I was a guitar player first. Um, I just fell well as as a young child. Um, my dad's a bluegrass guitar player singer, and so I learned a lot of that from him and then later at some point I heard Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and thought oh man okay well I want to do this and uh, he wasn't too thrilled about that because <clears throat> he doesn't really like rock and roll music mm-hmm. but boy I do and I, I you know it was uh, it, well, I was instantly inspired to you know get a Les Paul or something close mm-hmm. and uh, and play loud uh, play loudly and um so, but then, you know, I, at one point I looked back. I remember uh, it was Honky Tonk Women, specifically. I was about 11 years old, and uh, I had borrowed my mom's Hot Rocks cassette, mm-hmm. uh, The Stones, and I was listening to Honky Tonk Women, and it struck me, and I thought, well, this is not that much different than uh, Rolling My Sweet Baby's Arms, you know? it's It's got that same kind of got the same chord changes the same harmony it's just loud mm-hmm. and uh and then I, I don't know that was like a an eye-opening experience sort of a uh sort of a um the moment of clarity sure. <laughs> i was like wait it's all the same so uh but then you know i got into i was really a a digger as far as music went and got very into delta blues and piedmont blues and uh and then the traditional country music and and then in the Little Feet and the Dead and the Allman Brothers and Marshall Tucker Band and I still uh, I just follow it wherever it goes you know 
Yeah, and you, you wear your influences kind of on your sleeve. I mean, you, you mention a lot of those things, and there's elements of all of that in the band's music. You know, the storytelling of, you know, maybe a Johnny Cash, you know, the uh, the the Aerosmith, you can certainly feel some of that. The Marshall Tucker Band, it's all kind of right there rolled up in one, um, which, you know, I'm sure for some fans might, you know, you mentioned younger fans might make them uncomfortable, but, you know, I think it's kind of refreshing to hear you know, these blends of different things where it doesn't seem like you have limits in that respect. Yeah, I think it's music without pretense, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we're definitely not, we're not fashionable mm-hmm. um, or hip by any means, but we definitely play what makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. And I think that anytime I've ever seen an artist or a band and they're playing what makes them very happy, you can tell. And right. it sort of rubs off on you, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I've always subscribed to that idea let's talk the the i'm going to say the new record but because in a blink of an eye it's almost a year old now like an arrow um when you're putting together you know a, a piece of work like that do you give consideration to songs that might be cohesive um in an album or is it just you know i have the best 10 12 songs that we had at the time we're going to put them together in an album how does that selection process go into to what gets put on the final album well I, I honestly don't think about it so much when when we are starting to record um, and the idea of cohesion I guess will come when it's uh, putting it together in a running order mm-hmm. uh, and deciding what should and shouldn't go on the album I guess you could say right um and I'll, I'll second guess myself from time to time and think, can we put this on this record? And then, you know, normally um, the guys in Blackberry Smoke are pretty fearless. And they, if I had any doubt, they'll say, no, 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 let's do it. And uh, I had a, uh, I remember laughing, I was sitting in the control room, we were mixing, and there's a song called Believe You Me on the record that's a real funky Muscle Shoals kind of song, you know. And, uh, I remember laughing, thinking, can we get away with this? And then I, you know, I had to stop myself and think, well, I think we've proven we can get away with whatever we want to. And, you know, it doesn't make everybody happy, but it's it, it's it's really enjoyable for us to have a record that has a lot of variety. And um, I think the sound of the band um, supplies the cohesion necessary. Yeah, I, I think the you know the interplaying of the musicians. You know, if you go back to the first couple records, the new record, um, you know, even though the songs may not be exactly you know in the exact same vein and the same styles and the different influences and things, they're certainly cohesive. You know, you know, and I'll, I'll admit yeah. that my first experience to the band and my first experience to many many bands since I think Kiss Alive was get that live album. You know, I remember putting on Leave a Scar. Uh-huh and listening to that so you know obviously that night everything sounds kind of cohesive but going back and and listening to your back catalog and the new albums um you know very consistent product even though you know the influences are different in different places um do you um as far as when you put together a set list for a show like like a live aid which might be you know a slightly more country Audience, or or when you're going out on the road with with Warren and and Government Mule, do you take into consideration what songs you might play on a given night based on whom you're playing with? Um, I try not to because at the end of the day, you know, you're 
where how would I put it um, it shouldn't be necessary um, but I would be lying to you if I said I didn't think about that mm-hmm. and so I do um, try to play to our strengths uh, in any given situation um, uh, with the the audience I mean it's, you start with the um, I don't I'm not really sure how to articulate it but um, I don't go so far as to say, you know what, we can't play this tonight, right? Um, because it's our music, and, and there shouldn't ever be a reason to say, you know what, we shouldn't play this song because mm-hmm. there's going to be more country fans or more rock fans. Um, and every time I have, uh, every time I've caught myself doing that, I'm proven wrong. Yeah, that's um, a good point. A, a really good uh, example. We were doing a download big festival in the UK, sure. and uh, I wasn't really sure. There were seventy-five thousand people there, and we've had a couple of top ten records, uh, I think three, in the UK. And so the president of the label that we work with over there, Eric Records, he was standing with me on the side of the stage, and I said, uh, "Do you think that we should do One Horse Town today?" Because here was the, this here was the lineup that day. It was us. Slash, Billy Idol, Motley Crue, and Kiss. <laughs> and so I said to him, uh, or I, I asked him that question, and he said, absolutely. And I thought, okay, yeah, all right, we will. And we did, and it was great. So um, I think that people are going to like it for what you do. Yeah, and that, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a great example. I mean, I think of One Horse Town, and I think... <laughs> You know, I don't, I'm not sure if that's pedal steel on there, or exactly what all you've got going on instrument-wise, but it is one of your more country, for lack of a, a better term, songs. Yeah. And you know, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to play this against, you know, Shout at the Devil uh, on the same yeah. bill. It, it's it's certainly a, a, a risk. Yeah. Um, well, I've I've come to to uh, to realize that in Europe, anyway, uh, people are apt to be more open-minded when it comes to music they, they just are I mean you'll yeah. look out and see uh, we, we played right before, right after Death Angel years ago in Sweden and they killed it you know they mm-hmm. were up there they're a speed metal band and they're they're very powerful and I thought I don't want to go on after this we're <laughs> going to get tomatoes thrown at us and people loved it you know we walked up and the same people that were watching them were watching us so people are just more open-minded yeah, I think I need to get to Europe. Um, let, let's talk about the song "One Horse Town." Um, is that a bit autobiographical, or, or in that case, or do you write about maybe a fictional person? It is. It is. Uh, it is autobiographical. Um, uh, maybe not every detail. You mm-hmm. know, poetic license allows you to make stories more interesting. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, um, that's the kind of place that I come from. Uh, myself and Travis Meadows, who's a uh, writing partner of mine um, from time to time, we come from the same or similar background. He's from a, I'm from a small town in Alabama. He's from a small town in Mississippi, and we were discussing that idea, mm-hmm. like the the antithesis of the my hometown or I miss my hometown song, right. um, and. Uh, so I don't know. It may, it may. It may uh, I think it turned out really well. I've always been very proud of that song, but uh, definitely not a not a very happy song when you really dissect it. 
No, but I, I think the honesty in it, and that's what's kind of struck me. You know, you think of how many people live in that mall town. I mean, granted, you know, there's obviously more people in cities, but you know, there's still a very wide population out here in rural America. And when you listen to the songs, I mean, that's I think a lot of you know late teens, early twenties kind of feel that way about you know, no matter what town they're in, they want to get out. Um, you know, yeah. I just found that. The, the lyrics will point into that song and then you know I think people obviously as they get older maybe change their opinion of the town they live in or what but you know it was just yeah. interesting um, how did the band kind of you, you guys kind of started out in Atlanta if I'm not mistaken you, you mentioned being Alabama and things how did you all kind of end up together as, as a unit um, well um, the the rock scene in Atlanta back in the late 90s was well um the type of music that we play and love um a scene of of similar uh musicians was was pretty sparse and so i think it was just a matter of time before we bumped into one another in a late night bar which is basically what happened um we all played in a bunch of different bands and mm-hmm. we just wound up you know you meet this person and he says oh you ought to meet this guy and you ought to you know jam with this guy and that's what we did um the uh, second guitar player in the band, Paul Jackson, he and I were coming from a, uh, a town just about 80 miles south of Atlanta. Um, and we were both in cover bands. And we moved about the same time out of high school. And then we we, we um, didn't see much of each other for several years. And so when I started to play with Britt and Richard Turner, and we we had this trio going, and uh, I thought, well, we need another guitar player that can sing, that can, because harmony is very important mm-hmm. um, in our music, and it's always been very important to me, vocal harmony. And um, and uh, so I called him and uh, didn't know what he was doing, and uh, he happened to be in Atlanta, basically. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll come jam." So he did, and that was it. Everything just worked, and uh, obviously, you know, with the, with the Turner Brothers, you know, you've got a, a rhythm section that, you know genetically linked you can't get much tighter in a rhythm section than that um no it's like it's like the Leuven brothers you know or um or the, or the stanley brothers with singing yeah. that blood harmony mm-hmm. that that blood rhythms uh similar similarly powerful now as as a guitarist you know and, and you do quite a bit of soloing and such you know live the lead vocalist and all the the harmonies um does that make you know the guitar duty is somewhat tricky or are you one of those people that is naturally gifted to be able to play and sing at the same time I don't know about gifted but it, it there are um, it, it, it's become I guess you could say comfortable over mm-hmm. the years uh, when I was in my late teens is when I started to sing I'd already been playing the guitar for a long time in, in you know local bands and uh, right at first I found it very tricky um but then now, you know, for all these years um, writing the songs, um, I try not to to write a guitar part that's too difficult to sing over mm-hmm. <laughs> or to yeah. sing and play at the same time. But uh, I mean, you know, there are there there are all there will always be rubbing your head and patting your stomach type situations where you think, oh, this is this is tricky. Yeah. So um, I asked Billy Gibbons once. Um, We've had the good fortune of touring with ZZ Top quite a bit, and uh, and we were doing 
uh, well, they they were doing uh, Heard It on the X in mm-hmm. their show every night. And I told him once, I said, we used to cover that song. It's really hard to sing and play at the same time. And he said, yeah, it's, oh, well, I said that for me, you know. I said, I used to have the hardest time singing and playing at the same time. And he said, I still do too, every night. It's almost impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, there you yeah. go. You think about like um you know you you watch like an Eric Clapton or even some of the Steve Ray Vaughan it's usually you don't want to say simple you know simple for them probably parts underneath the vocals and then they throw the little licks in between lines and things like that um, you know I can certainly understand why but you're right you know some of the songs you know Billy and you know some of the great guitar singing singers out there that's that's a whole different level of respect I have for someone who can play and sing at the same time because it is like batting your head and rubbing your yeah. stomach. Warren Haynes is really, really great at that, um, in that he can play, I think because he was in, you know, uh, years and years and years ago before he joined the Allman Brothers band, he was in like a local band in South Carolina and he was, or North Carolina, and he was playing all that slide stuff and singing also. So he blows my mind in that he can do that. that that's the trickiest of all, playing slide and singing at the same time. Yeah, because that's like uh, really... I mean, for anybody who's ever played slide, that's almost like singing twice. You know, you're you're playing a melody with a slide and a melody yeah. with a voice. Um, yeah, I think we all should just bow at the altar of Warren Haynes, but that's a topic mm-hmm. for a different day. Most, most but, definitely. Uh, how is how is you? I know you guys have done quite a bit of shows more recently with with Government Mule. How do you? Um, is that provide you guys some luxury as far as you know maybe some of the jamming? I don't necessarily think of Government Mule as a jam band, even though they're certainly lumped into that. Um, I think of them more as a blues band. But how um, I, you know, when you're touring with them and doing a set, do you find a little more room for experimentation in your set because of that? Uh, yeah, well, that their audience um, uh, is used to that, and they're um, probably expecting that. Um, uh, uh, more of that than say if we were opening for Keith Urban or sure. somebody you know they're, they're coming to they want to hear some jamming so that's really you know um, uh, that can really be an inspiration because you think yeah. okay well you're not gonna you're not gonna freak anybody out if you get sure um, if, if you go way out in left field so yeah yeah that can that definitely plays a part yeah, certainly different than than following uh, Death Angel uh, with your soloing yeah. approach. Then it, that would that would be intimidating. So that's really interesting. So um, I haven't seen exactly set times, but you guys again are coming in to do um, Farm Aid this weekend, and then hopefully um, you're going to be doing a show in Indiana. I, I'm remiss to mention with uh, Aaron Luce of uh, formerly of Stained. Uh, later on in the fall so uh, two chances yeah. to come through western pennsylvania so we look forward to seeing you on both and you know uh, any starting to write for a new album yet or is it still a little too soon it's written we're actually going to start working start uh, working in the studio in about three weeks awesome do you have is yeah. too soon to, to guess on a release or are you looking at maybe like 2018 it'll be 2018 for sure awesome. yeah Awesome. Well, Charlie, it's been a pleasure. Again, we wish you uh, safe travels into Pittsburgh. Hopefully, uh, you family and the band's family are, are okay with uh, what's left of the hurricane coming through, uh, and you guys get up to yeah, Pittsburgh thanks. safe. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It got a little scary yesterday, but every we're all intact, so it's good. Awesome. That's good to hear. Well, we we can promise you no hurricanes. It's supposed to be seventy-eight degrees and perfectly sunny on Saturday here for when we get up. So. <laughs> oh, perfect. Should, 
nice uh, <laughs> early autumn day in Pittsburgh, and we look forward to seeing you, man. Yeah, thank you. See you later. All right, a big thank you to Charlie Starr. We're going to turn our attention now to another band that will be on the same bill that day out at Burgettstown on the 16th. We've got Lucas Nelson of Lucas Nelson and the Promise of the Real. Lucas Nelson, um, maybe not a household name, but his father certainly is, and uh, his father is Willie Nelson, uh, who is obviously the headliner of the uh, and founder of Farm Aid. So uh, Lucas has got the uh, kind of distinguished role of playing the, the, the protege. He's been in uh, Neil Young's band, uh, touring band for a couple of years, so uh, no slouch musically. Uh, again, a kind of a blend of country and rock and soul. Uh, his new album has got uh, duets with Lady Gaga, so it's really all over the map. Uh, it's one thing I enjoy about it. There's nothing formulaic about his music. So without further ado, let's play a little Lucas Nelson and the Promise of the Real. We'll get into that interview. <laughs> City Rocks, we have joining us Lucas Nelson. How are you doing today, Lucas? I'm doing great, man. I'm mellow. Awesome. Hey, um, you're going to be coming in to do Farm Aid here um, on the 16th in Pittsburgh, um, and you've got a brand new record out, uh, Lucas Nelson, The Promise of the Real. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, you went to college in Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken, and what kind of drove you into music as a vocation? Yeah, I mean, I listened to Jimi Hendrix when I was like 11 years old and got really into music from that. I mean, I, 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 I and then I started playing guitar or a little bit earlier than that because my dad asked me to play guitar. I said, sure. He said, I, he, I said, what do you want for his for your birthday and he said I want you to play guitar <laughs> that would be cool and I said okay <laughs> and so I started playing and it was something that we could do and be close to each other for and sure. then my brother started playing music and we all started playing music together and uh, it just became um, spiritually one of the most fulfilling things I'd ever done mm-hmm. uh, from a young age and so it gave me a uh, um, gave me an, a, an escape from all the uh, the troubles and the and the pains that you accumulate in life, uh, no matter where you come from. You know, was it something that you thought 
you know, how, how soon into playing, I should say, did you seriously consider, you know, I want to do this for a living as opposed to, you know, going to school and kind of getting away from the entertainment industry, maybe? Well, um, I mean, it wasn't, I don't, I mean, the, the whole, what you just said, the word, the entertainment industry, mm -hmm. it didn't even come into my realm of thought, um, until, you know, four or five years ago. Right. I mean, I didn't think about the entertainment industry. I thought about the music that I was going to play. I thought about my dream of of having people listen to my music and have a lot of people just like, I mean, this is my dream when I'm, you know, 10 years old. I want to play music in front of thousands of people like my dad or like, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix or like right. uh, Neil Young. Yeah, that's a, so, that's a great point you bring up. I mean, I don't think a lot of musicians necessarily think about entertainment, you know, as the spectacle, the show, the traveling, the all the things that go into it. You know, a lot of musicians, the really great ones, just want to make music. You know, Jimmy is a great example, you know, somebody who had to deal with yeah. the industry of it. Um, when you guys got, you know, kind of the break that I think, you know, sort of put your name on the map um, in touring with Neil Young, I mean, how did that come about? Well, we played Farm Aid, as we do every year. Mm -hmm. um, and we started throwing Neil tunes in there um, because we've all gotten really into Neil. And uh, Neil paid attention, I guess, through the years, and and uh, and he said, "Well, I'm these guys, my band." So he took us as his band. Was that in intimidating, particularly as a guitarist? Um, you know, Neil, obviously not a, sh a shredder, but you know, it held an incredibly high regard amongst musicians and songwriters. Did that intimidate you at all, or was this something you've been around long enough, you know, that it wasn't a big deal? Yeah, it doesn't really intimidate me because I think I put in the time. You know how. You know how uh, a golfer, mm -hmm. uh, a young golfer, approaches music. I mean, approaches his his craft. You know, he's not thinking. I mean, he's going out there and competing against Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. You know. Mm -hmm. Uh. There's, there's guys that are out there and they're going and in any sport especially golf though because golf you can do until you're old and still do really well and I think right. that's why it's, a, it's a, a good example but these guys like Jordan Spieth and, and Ricky Fowler and and, uh, and uh, uh, Dustin Johnson are in their 20s and they're competing against Phil Mickelson and you know, Tiger Woods when he was great, and you know, this, so there's, there's just this. Um, they're not thinking about, oh, in being intimidated because that keeps you out of the game. I mean, the idea is to say, no, I can, I can hold my own. I can go out there and be an athlete in this realm of competition. But it's not competition. See, that's the beauty. It's like being an athlete without having to compete. Sure. Uh, live performance. You know. And uh, and playing in front of people, and so 
when when a guy like Neil comes, it's a guy that I have tremendous amount of respect for as being a master of the art. And so when we go out there and we play with him, it's like playing with somebody who's a master. And then you learn from that, and you just you grow from it, and you rise to those that level, or to you, you know you strive to become a master yourself. A teacher and a student, uh, they have a symbiosis, a relationship, you know, that that mm -hmm. that is a give and take on both sides, you know. Can you talk just a little bit about the the kind of the backstory of the track on the new album, Run and Shine? Um, fantastic song and a kind of an interesting story. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, um, that song is about a character. I mean, it's not a me. It's uh, it. You know, I'm, I put myself inside a character that I believe lives out there somewhere in the in the in the Appalachians. I know there's a guy out there who took out took on his family business, and uh, you know, is running shine out there, and and. Uh, and uh, you know, having to kind of reconcile his way of life with uh, maybe he met a girl that didn't, you know doesn't understand. And, you know, it's a story. It's just a story is all it is. Yeah, that's it. And you did a couple pieces on the new record with uh, Lady Gaga. Um, can you just touch a little bit on how, you know, how that collaboration kind of came to be? Yeah, I think that it's. Um, it's really cool because we got we got to do this movie uh, uh, Star is Born where we we're acting in it the band is acting in it as the backup band in the movie so it, mm -hmm. it's kind of like uh, Blues Brothers in that way you know where right. we're like we're we're, we're kind of acting in it too but it's Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga and I got hired on first to yeah. just uh, consult Bradley and teach him how to sing and look like a authentic musician on the set, and uh, and I'm glad and we and we became really good friends and then I met her and and we started writing together for the movie and so and and then uh, you know I got in there and I had some production ideas and she did too so we produced it together and then we got that we got into this whole thing where uh, we we just did this movie A Star Is Born and so. Um, you know, we, we became really good friends, and uh, she's been so kind to help out in my uh, endeavors too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's undeniable. I mean, when you associate her name with really anything, it certainly has got to raise the visibility, and that's a, a wonderful thing for a great record like yours to get, uh, you know, that kind of a yeah, spotlight. Especially on. somebody like me who, you know, who doesn't play music that uh, goes viral very often. Mm -hmm. In the recording world, you know, it's like I'm, I just—I mean, I, I hope it does. Maybe one day, you know, it's it's authentic to me and it's real and it's the music I create. But, um, you know, it's just—you uh, know—you have to get through to people who live in neighborhoods that I, you know, I haven't been able to write about yet. Mm -hmm. You know. So, yeah, I know. You know, there's, there's things things that people go through and the electronica that I don't relate to and there's all this stuff that I don't kind of uh, I wish I could get into more and maybe I will in time but it, you know this is who I am yeah I mean if you think about it if you could you know put out a single with you know 
Lucas Nelson featuring Lady Gaga and the Chainsmokers, it would certainly uh, create a, quite a viral, regardless of what it sounded like, because you know it seems like that that whole right. electronic thing is just you know collaboration after collaboration. But then you you look at how few of those artists actually get out on stage, you know, and create albums that we'll want to listen to five, ten years from now. You know, unlike what you exactly. did, which I think is a certainly more timeless record, you know, and it, that's he's got uh, stories. You know, I, I mentioned Running Shine, for example. I think sometimes those type of songs, you know, they remind me almost of Johnny Cash, um, where they're um, cross genres. You know, I'm not a, I don't consider myself a, you know, fan of country music necessarily, but I listen to that, and it doesn't matter the style of the music because the story is there, the, you know, the melody is there, and it's a wonderful track. So. Uh, my hat's off to you. Thanks. Uh, again, you'll be in on um, doing the show at Farm Aid. They haven't announced the set times yet um, for all that yet, but uh, hopefully we'll have those very soon. We'll get those out to everybody, and I know we're going to have the place packed for you guys when you get into town. So, Lucas, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, you too, brother. All right, again, Farm Aid 2017, Key Bank Pavilion, Burgerstown, Pennsylvania. The event is sold out. Uh, for those of you lucky enough to get tickets, you can go to the Farm Aid website, find all the set times that haven't been announced as of the recording of this. But uh, on that bill, you've got Dave Matthews, you've got uh, Neil Young, you've got Willie Nelson, Lucas Nelson, The Promise of the Real, Blackberry Smoke, many, many other bands on the bill that day for a great cause. Uh, the American Farmer is certainly an important thing, so we want you to get out and support that. If you are able and going to get a hell of a day of music of all different varieties, which is, I think, what makes Farm Aid so fun. And uh, I know personally Farm Aid, and I think for many of us who are going to rock and metal fans, um, Farm Aid was where Sammy Hagar and Eddie Van Halen first played together. So a very magical event happened on that day. So maybe there would be some magic in 2017. So check that out. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com, Facebook. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram are all forward slash Iron City Rocks. Iron City Rocks at gmail.com. Drop us an email. Uh, send us a line or you can use the contact link on our homepage. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what sucks about the show. Whatever you want to say. So until next time, we thank you so much for listening.